Him and I is inspired by true events. Some scenes have been dramatized and some are completely fictional. Names and locations have been changed to protect all those involved. session we spoke about the power and control wheel and the aftermath of the wedding was the perfect example of that. Did you mention something about attempted suicide? Yes, I did. That happened after I broke up with him while staying at my cousin's place. I was lucky that it was the semester break, so I had no classes. I picked up extra shifts at work. When I was not working, then I was apartment hunting. If I was not doing that, I was with my cousin, we were just at home watching series, eating cheesecake. I was just breathing. On top of that, I started going to church more often. Every Sunday, actually. This is something that I stopped doing while I was with him. Somewhere along the line, it's something that just faded. He was calling me and texting me non-stop. I was ignoring him. He sent text messages asking, where I'm at, if I was safe, where I'd moved to after I collected my belongings. He sent apology after apology, and he said he didn't know how he could live without me. One night, he sent me a chilling voice note. He said he was going to end his life and that he couldn't handle the guilt over what he had done. He could not face the reality that he had hurt me and that we were done and it was all his fault. A part of me was worried, and I sent his friend a message to check up on him. His friend got back to me and said, he isn't really in a good state, and I should probably see him, just see him, just so that we could clear the air. I went and saw him. He looked skinnier. He looked sad. He said he hadn't slept in days. He apologized and said he wanted a second chance. Did you give him a second chance and did you believe he would commit suicide? I think deep down I knew he wouldn't do it, but I didn't want that girl on my conscience if he did. I thought it was better to be safe than sorry because mental health is a big issue. As for the second chance, at that stage, the second chance was not on the books. Then we started talking, slowly but surely. The more we talked, the more he seemed like the old him. We would spend the whole day texting. We started talking about politics, Marvel, music. We spent hours on FaceTime diving into the detail of our days. He sent me flowers at work. He even tried to woo my cousin over by calling her and inviting us for dinner. For weeks, this went on. Slowly, the storm seemed like it was over. It seemed like he was back to who he was. And what really convinced me was when he admitted that he had been bitter about the whole financial situation. When he had confessed that he had held that against me for the longest time. And that losing me made him realize that it was not worth it. He wanted to start again. He had moved out of the residency. He had moved into a two-bedroom apartment. The other room was free. He asked me to move in. I wasn't ready for all that. Then he asked me to go away with him to Bali for us to reconnect. I went with him. So you moved back in and went on the trip? Yes, 
Yes, I went with him. And the trip was magical. And even when we came back, slowly but surely I moved in. I started spending more and more time at his place. More and more of my stuff ended up there. And it was amazing. Then in New Year's, we were watching the fireworks by the Harbour Bridge. When it was midnight, as everyone was cheering, he got down on one knee and asked me to marry him. That must have been a shock. It was. Part of me thought it was too soon. It was all happening too fast. But at the same time, I knew I was in it for the long haul. So I said yes. You were ride or die? At that time, I was. How long did the honeymoon phase last? It was definitely that cause. You can see the pattern, right? It's called the cycle of abuse. The cycle can occur hundreds of times in an abusive relationship. The total cycle, taking anywhere from a few hours to a year or more to complete. Stage one is tension building. In this stage, stress builds from the pressures of daily life. Stage two is acute violence, categorized by outbursts of violent, abusive incidents. Stage three is the honeymoon stage. The perpetrator may begin to feel remorse, guilty feelings or fear that their partner will leave or call the police. The victim feels pain, fear, humiliation, disrespect, confusion, and may mistakenly feel responsible. Then finally, stage four is the calm. In this stage, the relationship is relatively calm and peaceable. During this period, the abuser may agree to engage in counseling, ask for forgiveness, and create a normal atmosphere, or propose. I can see now that it was a cycle. Well, the honeymoon and the calm seemed to last longer than the others. In the beginning, it's like that. And over time, those stages shorten. Why did you choose to go back then? Why did you agree to marry him? You tell me, Doc. This is a question that you have to answer. It's important for you to answer it. I'll give you some time to think it over. We can discuss it in the next session. did you choose to get back together with him? Um, I thought that maybe this is the best I deserved. Why? Let's explore why, because this is not the first time you've implied that. Honestly, Doctor, that took me a while to figure out. After every session, I kept asking myself why. But deep down, I know why. All my life, I was the outsider. I was the last to be picked for sports. I was the girl that rode alone on the bus because I had no one to sit with me. As hard as I tried, I had no real friends, just acquaintances. Maybe I was too loud, too quiet. Maybe something was just wrong with me. I could never figure out what it was. For years, I longed for approval. I excelled in school because I wanted someone to tell me I'm good enough. I chose to be a lawyer because everyone seemed to be impressed by it. 
I tried to fit in, but I was always a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. I was always just a little bit too tall, a little bit too awkward, and just not enough of anything. Then finally I met a man who just seemed to love me for who I was. He got my weird sense of humor. He got that I was quietly passionate. I was bookworm. I was fascinated more by nature than by loud clouds and going out. It's like he saw the good and the bad parts of me and decided that I was good enough. When he started acting like he didn't love me anymore, when he said hateful comments or ignored me, instead of running away, I tried harder for him to see me. I wanted him to see that I was enough, that I was understanding kind, adventurous, fun, forgiving, and loyal. That in me he could have it all. That I was enough if only he could see it again. That we could go back to happier times, to the time when we used to play FIFA all night, when we'd walk down the beach holding hands, to a time when we would dance around the apartment singing off tune to our favorite songs. We just enjoy the quiet of being together. But it was an unending cycle. He would get mad. I'll try harder to make him happy, but then it would backfire. Then he would blow up, come back and apologize. Then we'd be happy again. Then I'll try harder not to make him upset, to make him happy. I pushed my knees under the carpet, told myself that in time I'd be enough, that you'd learn me enough to address them. Sounds pathetic now that I'm here. It took me so long to realize that I could not love him more than I love myself and that I could never love him enough for the both of us. I was drowning in pain. I couldn't wait for anyone to save me, especially him. I am proud of you. I know that being that honest and raw is not easy, even with yourself. When did it finally click? The night I was looking at myself in the mirror with a bump the size of a guava on my forehead, a torn shirt and blood dripping from my nose, I realized I have to save myself. What had happened for you to end up at that mirror? That event links back to how I ended up here. After the proposal, I insisted that we do things the right way. We were going to visit our different homes and have the formal introduction, and we were going to go back to church. How did he respond to that? He was excited by the idea, but we were in the calm stage, and he wanted me to feel like I was in control and that he had changed. But the truth is, he had not changed. I started attending the weekly prayer meetings that took place at our local church, the meetings were usually an hour long, and sometimes the pastor and his wife would pick me up from where I stayed, since they also stayed in the same area. Every time I came back, he seemed more and more agitated. I started walking on eggshells again, subconsciously. The air was slowly getting harder to breathe in the apartment. I think I had a sixth sense working because I packed a small backpack with my valuables and a change of clothes. I wanted to put it somewhere easily accessible and safe. I told myself it's just insurance. 
I couldn't find a place in the apartment that he would not find it. So I looked outside the apartment. I decided that the top of the emergency staircase inside the building was the right place. It would be safety. No one uses those stairs anyway. Plus, I could check on it daily. Then one day, he asked me not to go to church by text. As I was already on my way there. I decided I was going. No longer would he control me. We were getting married, and I would not be controlled for the rest of my life. Plus, I was different in a way. I spent weeks apart from him, and I had thrived. I told him over text, I'd see him afterwards. When I walked inside, all the apartment lights were off. Only the bedroom light was on. He was in the room ironing. Hey, babe, I'm home. How was your day? Oh, you just walk in here like everything is fine. After putting the pastor before me. I was at a prayer meeting. With him? Yes, and the rest of the church. Shut up. Don't tell me to shut up. Are you trying to imply that I'm cheating with the pastor? Why else would you put him before me? I would rather kill you than watch you cheat on me. Never again would another woman humiliate me like that. Cheat and kill me? Are you crazy? Are you listening to yourself right now? <laughs> Don't try me. I will melt your face with this iron and then we'll see if the pastor still wants you. Once again, I was paralyzed with fear. He had those eyes, like he was looking right at me, but he couldn't see me. I felt, I felt like I was with the heat of the iron so close to my face. I felt like it was already burning. He moved back and went back to ironing. I was shocked. How could he just act like what he did was normal? In fact, I was furious. I marched out of that room and I was heading for the main door. Next thing I knew, he yanked me from behind. I can't tell you what happened next, Doctor. I just remember waking up with my shirt torn, bleeding. My head was pounding. I felt weak. Got up, slowly made my way to the bathroom. I looked at myself in the mirror. That's when I finally accepted the truth. I don't leave now for good. One day, this man will kill me. I took off the ring and checked the house to see if he was in. He wasn't. I didn't know how long I had, but I ran as fast as I could towards my hidden backpack. You know the rest of the story. If you enjoy him and I, make sure you rate and subscribe to the show. Please share this with as many people as you can. Thank you so much for your support and thank you for listening in.